0: Hello, my name is Rob Carnell and in my podcast series, I'm going to talk about a number of issues in modern macroeconomics that get right up my nose. Now while some of the subjects might seem a bit esoteric, they all deal with things that affect our everyday financial lives. And I'm going to use a lot of intuitive examples to explain them. So don't be put off. It'll be a lot of fun. Now if my youngest son were to tell me that he was going to go to Cambridge, study economics, then use the connections he made there to set up a financial business trading derivatives and make millions. And by the way, can he have £50 pounds as an advance on his future success? I'd say, son, one, you're only 12. Two, you still have to pass your GCSEs and A-levels. And three, you spend your entire time playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So all of this sounds rather doubtful. But in making these criticisms. I'd only be making the same criticisms that I can make about most examples of forward guidance. What am I blethering on about this time? What is forward guidance? And why am I talking about this now? Well, and this is going to sound a little bit like call my bluff, it's either a useful tool for central banks to steer markets in a helpful direction and bolster the effects of conventional rate policy or, and this is where I tend to side, It is at best a waste of time, a delusion of power of central bankers and at worst an abuse of the central bank's position to distort market expectations for a short-term advantage, but at the cost of much greater volatility in the economy and markets. And I'm talking about this now because a number of central bankers, mostly at the US Federal Reserve, though not all, are trying to have us believe that they still have a useful job to do. Because rather than being out of policy tools, they still have plenty of options at their disposal, including forward guidance. So why am I so down on forward guidance? Well, let's return to this theoretical story my son might tell me. The reason it wouldn't work is the same reason that, most of the time, forward guidance is a waste of time. To be effective, a piece of guidance needs to be consistent with the background facts. In this case, the lack of qualifications of my youngest and his attitude to hard work. And only if it is consistent will it be effective in making me even hesitate before refusing to lend him 50 quid. So these three critical concepts one more time. Effectiveness requires credibility. Credibility requires consistency. And these three words, effectiveness, credibility and consistency are all you need to examine the concept of forward guidance. In a second, I'm going to play an excerpt from Mark Carney, a central banker of such prominence that he chaired not just one, but two central banks, the Bank of Canada and the Bank of England. I've chosen Carney mainly because he's sometimes been credited with inventing the whole concept of forward guidance. Now I'm not sure this is accurate, but he certainly did promote it extensively during the financial crisis at a time when central bankers were struggling, as they had done in the past, to deliver as much stimulus as they wanted with just rate policy, even when bolstered with quantitative easing. Here's Mark Carney. We give guidance. The guidance is conditional
1: on the economic outlook. If the outlook changes, um, the actual policy stance uh, will adjust. Um, And of course, the policy stance is determined by the, the, the sum of the individual decisions. The consensus of the committee or the majority of the committee was not in favor of publishing a path. Um, uh, but it was the right question to ask. There are arguments for and arguments against. I think the risk of it being interpreted as a, as a promise, mm-hmm. as a commitment, are real. There are risks of procrastination once you, uh, once you put a path out there. That what happened was the economy did not in the first quarter uh, evolve broadly in line with our forecast. Inflation came in lower, um, uh, momentum, economic momentum, the number of signs were, were, were lower and then ultimately uh, the hard data uh, came in lower, lower as well um, and we as a committee um, stepped back, looked at that data
0: uh, and took our own assessments. Let's take a look at that first bit. We give guidance If the economic outlook changes the policy stance adjusts let's dissect that a bit more if the economy outlook adjusts look i've been doing economic forecasting for nearly 30 years and following central bank forecasts for all that time too and what i've learned is that central banks are no better at forecasting than anyone else and in fact usually do an inferior job to the collective wisdom of financial markets so for forward guidance to work Markets have to believe that the central bankers know something that their own hive-mind, Borg-like intelligence doesn't already know. And that is extremely doubtful, even for the best research department of the best central bank in the world. So, from the word go, it shouldn't have much credibility. Then, as Carney points out, the outlook that actually emerges after you've given your guidance can change. Let's be honest, it usually doesn't end up how you first thought. So if you were fool enough to respond to his earlier guidance and it doesn't work out, then really you've only yourself to blame. Indeed, forward guidance shouldn't have any impact at all, as the people guiding us usually have a worse idea of what is going on than we, the market, collectively have. Yet somehow it still can affect markets, which is both curious and frustrating, as this doesn't usually end well. Perhaps the most aggressive use of forward guidance came from the US Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke in the years leading up to what became known as the Taper Tantrum, which I remember as if it were yesterday. The exact timing of the financial crisis is a bit blurry round the edges, but for the sake of storytelling, it's enough to state that after a sharp deterioration of global growth and in financial markets through 2007-2008, economies began to turn mid-2009. And at that stage, having witnessed unparalleled easing by central banks, including by the Federal Reserve, who bought trillions of dollars of Treasury bonds as part of their quantitative easing programme, markets were keen to know when this was all going to reverse. And they may at times have been a bit hasty in their pricing of the market unwind, or taper as it became known. Now, in a sign of the times, as negative rates aren't quite as unthinkable now as they were back then, The Fed got to thinking about ways in which to deliver more easing with the limited tools at their disposal. Now imagine that you're in charge of monetary policy. You aren't allowed to lower rates below zero and what you really want to do is bring down longer dated yields on which many market relevant lending rates like mortgages are based. If the economy is in such bad shape that it could really do with short term policy rates being minus 2% for a year, but you can't lower rates below zero, then you can achieve an equivalent effect by asserting to the market an equivalent zero-rate policy, say zero rates for two years, not one. Now, that would all be fine, as the two-year pledge would be consistent with the bad state of the economy and therefore credible, so financial markets would move to price that in and the economy would benefit from the guidance. But central bankers are human, though you'd sometimes wonder listening to them, and they also think that they always know best, and also have a tendency towards, well, greed. So, although in the previous example, the consistent message to deliver the right policy was a pledge towards two years, when forward guidance has been given, it's often tried to do even more, pledging rates on hold way beyond what was really required. After three separate bouts of quantitative easing and one twist operation to give that asset purchasing even more leverage at the longer end of the yield curve, By early 2013, markets were beginning to sense the imminent end of the policy, but the Fed continued with its very terse announcements. Then, in May 2013, Fed Chair Ben Bernanke announced that the Fed might step down the pace of their asset purchases in the next few meetings. Having bought into the previous assertions of easy policy for the foreseeable future, Treasury yields surged. And despite maintaining that this had no bearing on short-term interest rates, it also led to markets pricing in more rate tightening over the coming months than had been the case before the announcement. In the end, the taper didn't actually start until the following January, but it's often announcements that have the biggest market impact, not the actual events themselves, which I suppose is what has given central banks the idea to use forward guidance in the first place. To describe what is going on with a simple analogy, consider a child playing with a ball in a swimming pool. The ball floats at equilibrium on top of the water, but if the child places enough pressure on the ball, he or she can push it underwater. This is basically what a greedy version of forward guidance does. It takes markets to a place where they have no right to be, and certainly to a more accommodative position than they would reach if simply left to their own devices but it isn't a sustainable position. It takes quite a lot of effort to keep the ball submerged, and when eventually, after lots of denial, the central bank reluctantly admits that things aren't going to remain as easy for as long as it had been maintaining, then there is a need for a sudden repricing, or in the case of the swimming pool, the ball shoots up and hits the child in the face, before then returning to floating at equilibrium on top of the water. So, to conclude, Forward guidance does not and cannot deliver something for nothing. In fact, its only use is if markets are unrealistically pricing in too much tightening. If the central bank genuinely believes and intends to keep rates lower for longer, then it could be of help in guiding markets to a more appropriate position. But if it is simply an attempt to manipulate markets for a short-term gain, then the payback is a step change in pricing the moment the Fed or other central bank fesses up. Monty Python's Eric Idle couldn't have put it better. No, 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 yes. Not only do markets tighten, but volatility also spikes. Indeed, to keep referring to forward guidance as if it is a real thing, must imply that central banks constantly assume markets are too bearish on aggregate when there's no evidence at all that this is the case. Now there are nuances to forward guidance which you can split into time-contingent guidance and state-contingent guidance. We've been considering time-contingent guidance here. In other words, we won't raise rates until such and such a date in the distant future. That I think we've demonstrated is garbage except in the extreme condition where markets really don't know the full story and central banks are in control of more of the inside story. Then there is state-contingent where they say, we won't raise rates until such-and-such a condition is achieved. I have fewer issues with this except that at present, the most likely guidance of this sort would be tied to achieving an inflation goal. In some of my other podcasts in this series, I also discuss why even 2% inflation targets might be out of reach of most central banks these days, so even this type of guidance suffers from the credibility problem that might render it ineffective. That is, unless central banks agree to drop their target rates. Right now, the opposite approach seems to be being used by some, including the US Federal Reserve, with average inflation targeting. If central banks can't even hit 2% inflation with their current tools, then the basic interpretation of a policy which says we won't raise rates until inflation has consistently exceeded 2% for some time, is that rates won't ever be raised again. Not ever. And that doesn't seem at all sensible. So there you have it. Forward guidance is indeed, at least in my view, forward garbage. And the next time you hear your central banker telling you that all is well, they still have forward guidance, it's time to worry. Things really must be bad.
1: This podcast has been prepared by RNG solely for information purposes, irrespective of a particular user's means, financial situation, or investment objective. The information does not constitute investment recommendation, and nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice, or an offer of solicitation to purchase or sell any financial instrument. Read more at thinkingcom content dash disclaimer.